0: I do believe the Lord would speak with us if, if we would allow him to. There, I don't know where it's from. But you ever, you ever been with somebody or around someone or maybe you've been on one end or the other of it. Where it's like, hold on a minute. I've, I've had to do this. I, I, I will confess. Confession is good for the soul. I will confess there's times I've been like with my wife, I've been like, babe. Could you could you say that again? I'm sorry, I, I, I sort of missed all that. She was talking and I was there physically, but I wasn't my, my mind was you know what I'm talking about? All the men said, Amen. <laughs> right. I was like, well, at least all the married men you know what I'm talking about, right? And I I was like, I I wasn't there. I I mean, I was physically there, but sorry. And so, you know, sometimes that happens to us with the Lord. Or even in the house of God. We have to purpose to hear. We have to purpose to hear. I don't mean hear with our intellect and our, but to hear with our spirit. Right, Lord, I want to understand what you would speak to me, how it fits my life where I am. I'm not talking about twisting or changing the gospel to make it. But the Lord's word is relevant to every life that we'll hear. You know, Jesus in his earthly ministry, he spent much of his earthly ministry telling parables or stories. And his relaying of stories, at times there would be people that would be like, what does that mean? and Jesus would make a statement something like you know to him that wants to hear he'll hear. Well, what does that mean? Well, he would share a story and to the hungry heart, you know, the scripture says to every hungry so- to the hungry soul every bitter thing is sweet. And so Jesus could share his story and in sharing it to the person that was hungry and searching and had an ear listening to the teacher, the rabbi, the master, the Lord manifest in the flesh. In that story, they could hear it speaking to their situation and their circumstance. But to those that were just wanting to see something neat or, you know, Jesus at one point said, you didn't follow me because of me. You, you just followed me because I fed you bread and you thought that was pretty cool. I'm paraphrasing, but that's what he said. But to the person that's seeking to hear the voice of the Spirit of God. And so I want to hear, don't you? And I do believe he would speak with us today. Romans chapter 12. How many of have ever made this statement? You don't have to raise your hand or you can. I don't care. You can nod or you can sit stone-faced to so nobody you know. You ever made this statement, I want to change." Yeah, all of us, we're human, aren't we? I'd like to change this. I'd like to change that. I'd like this change here. I, I, I'm trying, maybe you made it this way, I'm trying to change. How come we rarely hear? I'm not saying never, but how can we re- rarely hear hear it said this way, I am going to change. I will change. No, it's usually I'm going to try, I hope to, I want to. What's the difference? Made-up mind. Made-up mind. Anyone interested in being changed in a manner that God would want to change us? I'm not talking about like, you know, I want to change because I'd really like to have 12-inch arms instead of 6-inch arms. I'm not talking about that. I mean, that's okay if you want to do that, right? Many of you have heard me say I'd lift weights if they weren't so heavy. But, you know, you can pick your spots where you want to change. I'm not talking about that type of change today. I'm talking about a transformative work of the spirit, word, and power of God. You understand, he still transforms lives. And I feel a bit of a caution and a concern in our world today that many people have moved into an element in relationship with God where we're not interested in Him transforming our life. Really what we're interested in is we'd like Him to touch our life, but don't mess it up too much, God. I've I got some things I'd like and I want. And so touch my life and bless my life, but don't try to transform my life. If you and I are going to truly, truly commit our lives to Him, we are saying, I trust you and I will allow you to transform my life. You, you know, one place in Scripture says it this way. Will the clay say to the potter, Why have you made me thus? Now, you may hear that verse, you may think, well, I don't know what he's talking about. That ain't me. Yes, it is. It's every one of us. It's every one of us. You ever pray? You don't have to raise your hand. You ever pray and ask God, God, would you do this? Would you do that? Would you change this? Would you? What are we doing? We're saying, this is how I'd like my life to look, God. This is how I want you to shape things. This is how I want you. You know, I want to live for God, but I have an idea of how living for him looks. And so I want my picture of living for God to be the way he blesses and shapes and transforms me. It does not work that way. It doesn't work that way. When I commit. And with commission comes submission. So when I submit my life to God. I am saying, you get to choose what I am and how I function in your body and in your kingdom. My life is yours. Isn't that what Paul said? My life is not my own. I have been bought with a price. Therefore, I will glorify God in my body and in my spirit, which are His. That's a transformative work. And God wants to do a transformation. And oh, by the way... If I and you will allow him to transform our lives, I promise you what he can do with my life and yours is far better than what I or you can do with our individual lives. But pride says, I got this. But for those that would, he would radically transform our lives for His purpose and His glory. Anybody interested in that journey? I believe you are. Romans chapter 12, starting with verse number 1. We live in an hour in our world where Christendom has become about inspiration. And I believe in inspiration. I need to be inspired. We're human. The Lord knows our makeup. But Christendom has become about inspiration. Music that inspires. A thought that inspires. A book that inspires. A message that inspires. And God is a God of inspiration. But I promise you, He's far more interested in transformation than He is in inspiration. He's far more interested In an alteration of my life. Than he is in inspiring my life. But inspiration is much more convenient for me. Than transformation. Because nobody really likes change. I want him to change me. I want him to change me into what he desires me to be. Daily I want him working in my life. Molding, fashioning, shaping. Whatever makes it the most plausible for him to use and work through. I want to be transformed. Romans 12 and 1, Paul is writing and he's appealing to this element in people in the church at Rome. He said, I beseech you or I beg you, therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy that word holy there means separated and set apart holy and acceptable unto God which oh by the way this is your what oh not difficult and hard and painful and oh my goodness God's asking so much of me no 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 Paul said this is your reasonable service Paul said it's reasonable for you to present your body as a living sacrifice because of the mercies of God. Remember, he's appealing because of the mercies of God. We sang that song. You may or may not believe this, but Brother Ethan and I don't get together and talk about let's coordinate some songs to match what I'm going to talk about. I don't always know what I'm going to talk about, and he doesn't always know what he's going to sing, so there we are. But I do believe the Lord directed when we sang that song, you provide the fire, I'll provide the sacrifice. You understand when we're singing that song, we're saying really what Paul was declaring and asking in this verse. Would you present your body, yourself, your life, would you present yourself as a sacrifice? Anyone interested in fire, the fire of God? The power that comes with the fire. He said, I'll baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Anybody interested in the fire? Here's revelation for you. Probably don't need to write it down. You'll remember. No sacrifice, no fire. No sacrifice, no fire. The fire fell on the altar once a sacrifice was there. You and I put our lives on the altar; the fire comes. If I live in a day, well, I don't want to sacrifice. I, I want to live for God, but I'm not interested in sacrifice. I mean, let's let's talk about. It. I'm trying. I'm trying to build a good life for myself. I'm not want to sacrifice. No sacrifice, no fire. It's an interesting stuff. I'm really trying to get somewhere, but we're, the Lord's just sort of hanging us right here for a second. It's interesting if you study. In the prophets, you know, Israel was captured. Um, Hezekiah, the Lord extended his life by 15 years. The Lord told him he was going to die, and he cried out. He turned to the wall and cried out to the Lord. And before the prophet Isaiah got out, he came back, or the, and not Isaiah. Anyway, the prophet, before he got out of the courtyard, the Lord said, Go back and tell him, I'm going to add years to his life. He went back, spoke to Hezekiah turned the sundial back as proof that he was going to do it, and added 15 years to Hezekiah's life. And in those 15 years, Hezekiah made the mistake of opening up the the palace and all of Israel's goods and revealing them to Babylon. They saw all the wealth that God had blessed them with. And then ultimately Babylon came and began to take things. And you you read all the different things they took, It's quite interesting. They took the gold and the silver, the goblets and the chalices. They took all these different things. And then it says, and they took, I can't remember if it's 27 or 37 or 29 or 39, but they took knives. And, you know, you read that list of stuff and you're like, I get the gold, I get the silver. But, like, why are Babylonians taking knives? And then you read a little later when it's restored and they restore some things. And here's what we come to understand. They knew exactly what they were doing when they took the knives. The knives they took weren't just any knives. The knives that they took, they took from the temple. They were knives were, that were used to slay the sacrifice. And somehow, way, Babylon knew, if we take away Israel's ability to sacrifice to their God, we take away the power and the anointing that comes from God at the time of sacrifice. The adversary would try to deceive you and I to believing that sacrifice is loss. When in reality, when you and I are willing to lay our lives as a sacrifice on the altar, that brings the fire, the favor, and the blessing of God on our lives. But in North America especially, we don't look for ways to sacrifice. We look for ways to preserve life rather than lose it. That's not what I think we're going to talk about today, but we did. Paul appealed. He begged by the mercy of God. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Holy, separated, and set apart unto God. Which is just your reasonable service. But watch verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect or complete will of God. I have a question for you. Again, lots of questions. You didn't know you were going to be participating so much today. Another question for you. Are you interested in. Improving through your life what is the good and acceptable and complete or perfect will of God? Do you desire for your life to prove out the will of God? Do you desire, do I desire the will of God in and through my life? If so, Paul through the word of the Lord he penned, told us how. Sometimes we struggle, like, I just don't know the will of God. Come back to Romans 12. He'll reveal the will of God. The will of God comes through presenting my body as a sacrifice, not being conformed, but being transformed. So let's talk about that. What does it mean to be conformed? To conform is to be shaped by or fashioned by. I always think some of you heard me say this before, but it comes back to me again. I always think of this when I read this verse. Um, anybody ever made jello? Yeah, right? Jello takes on the shape of whatever pan you put it in, whatever pan or container. you pour jello in cups, you can dump it out, it looks like a cup. You pour jello in a heart-shaped mold, you dump it out, it looks like a heart shape. You pour jello in a cake pan, you dump it out, it's shaped like a, It takes on the shape of whatever you put it in. Jello conforms to its container. Does that make sense? That is exactly what Paul was talking about here when he said, "Be not conformed to this world. We are not meant to take on the world that we're in. We're not meant to be shaped by, designed by, molded to, look like, act like, sound like, walk like, talk like the world that we're in. Paul said, be not conformed. Don't allow this world, this world system to shape you and fashion you. Don't allow this world system to tell you what to think, how to live, how you should look. Don't look to the world to shape or fashion your life. The Greek word that's used here literally is to be fashioned like. Don't be fashioned like this world is what Paul said. He was begging. The word beseech is beg. He was begging. Why? Because Paul had a passion as an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ, that the church of the living God would be a ministry and a manifestation of the Spirit of God to the world. And he knew if they will not present their bodies as a sacrifice, and if they allow themselves to be conformed by the world, they'll never impact the world. Because the world won't be able to differentiate between the church and the world. Don't be conformed to this world. Notice, he didn't stop there. He puts a colon which says, I'm going to further define or further explain what I mean when I don't want you to be conformed to this world. He said, but be ye transformed. There's that word we were talking about, changed. Be transformed. We'll come back to that in a minute. By the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and complete or perfect will of God. For you and I to prove the will of God, there has to be transformation of our lives. There has to be. It's the only way. Paul was utterly transformed. That transformation started on the road to Damascus. Peter and John and James, and they were transformed. And transformation only happens one way. If you want to be transformed, you find the answer here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. There's not another way. Can we just talk in plain English? Sometimes the King James loses stuff. If you want to be transformed, there's got to be a change of how you think. Isn't any wonder that the very word repentance in the Greek, metanoia, repentance means a change of one's thinking or a change of one's mind. When I come to the Lord, the first thing I have to do is repent. Repent is a change of direction. I have to have a change of how I think. Why? Because if how I think doesn't change, I will never change. And you will never change. There are people who live in sin that have a radical transformation when they're drawn by the Spirit of God. And the blood of Jesus Christ is applied to their life. And it's like, my goodness, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. They repented of their sin. They got a revelation that their sin was not them just doing wrong. They were sinning against God. They were violating His Word. And conviction gripped their heart. The love of God dealt with their heart. And they, had, they realized, I've been thinking about this wrong. I've got to change. And the Spirit of God and the love of God revealed themselves to them. And their thoughts became clear. And they're like, I'm headed a wrong direction. And when their thinking became clear, they're like, I can't go that way. And their thinking changed and then their action followed. A change of thinking. You can say you're going to start eating healthy. But what's the difference between somebody that does and doesn't? I've watched people that have made those declarations and never change. But I've watched people who maybe became sick with some certain disease and they knew if I don't change how I eat, it's going to kill me. They repented. They repented. They had a change of thinking because they got a revelation about something they were doing that was damaging to their life. This is how it works in the Spirit of God. When the Word of God, by His love, begins to reveal to me the truth of His Word. And it illuminates in my life areas where I'm walking contrary to His Word. The love of God deals with me like, oh my goodness, I am not pleasing Him. I want to please Him. My thinking changes and then my action follows. My choices are taking me a direction that's going to cost me eternal life. I'm going to change direction. That's repentance. A change of one's mind. And so Paul said, if you want to be transformed, to do the will of God, to prove the will of God, transformation starts by the renewing of your mind. What is that word renew there? Literally, that word renew there is actually renovation. Renovation is the Greek word that was used. We have a a basement in our house. I don't know what that word basement means paints in your mind, like when you think a basement of a house, like, oh, don't go down there. Like you don't take guests to the basement, right? (laughs) Some of you know what I'm talking about because it's a mess or, you know, like, like the basement has our storage area and our storage closet. And the basement is where you throw everything. If people are coming over and you don't have time to clean up real fast. I'm not saying that's necessarily that, but you know what I'm talking about, right? We, we have this basement in our house and, uh, Whoever owned it before us, and I think that owned it before them and before them and before them. I think the original owners of the house. They decided they wanted a shower in the basement. But I have determined that this gentleman or his spouse or whatever. The, I, it has the looks of a man all over it. I'm just going to say it that way. I I think he just decided, I want a shower, but I want to spend as little money as possible All I care about is a place to stand and have water run over me so I can say I took a shower. (laughs) This is the impression. I'm just trying to give you a picture. And so in this corner in our basement, there was this plastic walled shower, hard plastic. I think it was made to be installed in an RV, but he probably, you know, copped it from somewhere and just stuck it there in the corner in the basement and said this will do. He ran plastic piping out of the ceiling that he tapped into the main plumbing of the house and ran it down. Didn't even put it inside the wall. It's just hanging on the outside of the wall. Put holes through the plastic shower that he had bought and mounted the cheapest faucet he could on it. Didn't even run a legal drain. Just built a platform on two by sixes and sat it on top of the two by six platform ran a black piece of PVC pipe out from under it over to the drain in the middle of the floor by the washing machine that was made for overflow. That's how the shower drained. You got this picture in your head? If you have a shower like that, I'm not passing judgment at all. (laughs) We lived in that house for, we've lived in this house now for nine years, I think. More than nine years, going up on ten, and uh, and we, we, I have used that shower. Didn't bother me, right? My wife, she wanted that shower gone, right? I could, I could put a new shower curtain up on it, make it look a little better. I could even get some, what, what's that stuff you stick on? Contact paper. You know, you could get contact paper now and you can put it on walls. It looks like it's painted or something. I could get contact paper and put it on the side of that plastic shower. It looks better. Clean it up. Dust it off. Make it look nice. Paint the wood around the bottom. And I promise you, I do all that. My wife would be like, I still hate that shower. Why? Because she's not interested in cosmetic makeover. She wants a renovation. Rip it out. Cut into the floor and put the proper drain in. Get rid of that. I want it to, I don't want the segmented toilet over here and a plastic shower over here. And you step around the corner and you're staring at the washing machine right there and there's hangers hanging up. She wants renovation. You understand me? Sometimes in our life, Paul said, if I'm going to be transformed, there's got to be renovation of my mind. That's the word he used. There must be renovation. In order to renovate, there has to be a tearing down and a tearing out of some things. We could not just go, oh, we'll just put a nice fancy new shower right there in the corner until we first ripped out the old. Renovation. We, we have a fancy new shower there now. It looks beautiful. I not even got to use it yet. I'm sort of scared to use it. It looks so nice. The floor looks nice. We put nice flooring over the top of the concrete. Put a new toilet in so it's not from 1952 like it was. I know it was because it had like a four and a half gallon tank on the back. It was huge. Ripped that thing out. It all flows together. There's a light over the toilet. There's a light and a fan now. It's it's just beautiful. Nice trim. you, You wouldn't believe it. But you know what? To do that, they had to cut into the concrete and take concrete out and redo a drain. Then pour concrete back. It didn't happen in a day. It was renovation. It got messy. It got noisy. It was quite painful, quite honestly, because we were all having to share the same shower upstairs, and we had guests come during that time. And it would have been nice to have a second shower. It wasn't comfortable, but it was renovation. And we knew something on the other end would be better than where we started. And so we said, renovate. Do what you got to do. Rip. you got to rip some things out before you can put some things in. And sometimes in our walk in relationship with God, we want God to do transformation in our life, but we have no interest in Him renovating how we think. And true transformation from the Spirit and the Word of God comes first by a renovation of my thought process. God has to come and say, hold on a minute. You're thinking wrong. You've got some ideas. You've got some, par- we use the word paradigm shift. You've got paradigms that you hold to, that you believe are the way it should be. And I need to come in and I just need to blow up the way you think. I need to rip out some things that you've got framed in your mind that are contrary to my word and contrary to my will. I need to renovate your mind. That's what Paul said. If you're going to be transformed, there's got to be a renovation of your mind. And so what does the Spirit of the Lord do? The Spirit of the Lord brings His Word. And His Word confronts us where we live. And it confronts how I think. It confronts my process for thinking. What is He trying to do? He's not trying to hurt me. He's not trying to damage me. He says, I want to transform you. But transformation starts with the renovation of your mind. I'm trying to affect how you think. You've been shaped by this world system. You've been, you understand the God of this world starts as soon as He possibly can. If He can begin to shape the mind of a child. If He can begin to work. Why do you think our public school system is such a, such chaos? and It's the God of this world. He sees a way to shape the mind of children and how they think. It's the God of this world. The world system seeking to influence. You can read some things in the Word that are so contrary to our world. Why? Because the ways of God, the thoughts of God, are much higher than the ways of men and the thoughts of men. And so in order for us to be transformed, to do and prove the will of God, God said, here's what you've got to do. You've got to allow me to renovate your mind. You've got to be willing to lay your mind. What does this take? It takes a humbling of myself that says, I don't always know how or what to think. And I'll look to God for direction and answer. Some of you have heard me tell the story before. I won't belabor it, but I'll give you the extremely short version. From 2015 to 2019, uh, I went through a time where I literally, at days, some days, I thought I was losing my mind. I, I was 45 to 49 during that time. And I thought, man, is this midlife crisis? I, I had all these. What in the world am I dealing with? What am I going through? I, I, I thought I was losing my mind. I would wrestle in battle. It seemed like it was under constant bombardment. And I thought, am I, is this what a breakdown feels like? I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to process, process all of this and work through all of this. I'm crying out to the Lord. I'm repenting of everything I can think to repent of. I'm, I'm trying to make sure there's no. I don't know what's going on. I'm not sure. Am I hearing God or am I hearing. Can I hear from God at all anymore? My mind. Bombarded, bombarded, bombarded. I would go to my place of prayer each day and some days I would just sit there and weep and say, God, I don't even know what to say and I don't even know what's going on, but I'm here. And When the Lord brought me out of that season after almost four years, and I was like, God, what in the world was that? And the Lord spoke to me, dealt with me. And he said, how much confidence do you have in your mind and your ability to think now? I said, I don't have any, Lord. He said, perfect. If it took me taking you through that so that your confidence won't rest in your ability to think. But you'll rely on my thoughts and my ways and me influencing and directing your thoughts Then I can do the will of God through your life. Now, am I telling you, every one of you got to feel like you're losing your mind for that to happen? Of course not. But the Lord, I had prayed, God, whatever you've got to do. Better be careful when you pray that way. But I really did. I prayed with a sincere heart God, I trust you, whatever you've got to do. Don't let me be lost. But whatever it takes to renew, restore, to break down and build up, to make me and form me and fashion me according to the way you desire to use this lump of clay, so be it. And that was part of the process he chose. There must be a renovation of your thought processes. There must, watch, one of the greatest things that influences my thoughts and yours is what we allow in What we allow in. One of the ways renovation in my mind and yours starts is by changing what we allow in. What am I listening to? What am I watching? Who am I conversing and interacting with? I'm allowing things to come in and influence my thoughts. And the Holy Ghost says, I'd like to transform your life. It's going to start with a renovation of your mind. What are you reading? What are you watching? What are you listening to? Who are you talking with? Where are you spending your spare time? What are you doing in those things? It affects the renovation of your mind. This is a spiritual work. This is not a mental work. But I have to be willing to submit to his process. And give him permission to begin to tear down things Isn't it any wonder the Apostle Paul, when he talked about praying, he made this statement. He said, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought in obedience to the Holy Ghost or in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. What What was he declaring? He was declaring what we know to be true. The battlefield of the adversary is our mind. And so I have to allow the Spirit of God and the Word of God to take those things into captivity so that my thoughts flow from a place of purity. His Word, His Spirit, His direction. Not the adversary in this world. I'm not going to be conformed to this world. Now, fast forward. As we begin to allow Him to do that, God, work in the way I think, show me, show me where my thinking is rooted in the world system rather than in your word. Show me where my thinking is wrapped up in my own self opinion and learning rather than in the wisdom of your word and your spirit. Direct my thoughts, God. Tear down and renovate where you must and how you must. So that my thoughts please you. So that my thoughts come from you. So that the way that I think and the way I process thought flows from you. Not of my own effort and ability. And then transformation begins to take place. Transformation. Now. How many of you ever go to the gym or have ever gone to the gym? I'm told told that January is the biggest month of gym membership signups. And I believe it because I work in financial institutions and we see those automatic drafts start in January for people's new gym memberships. I'm told that some people have two and three gym memberships, which blows my mind. Because I'm like, how many gyms can you go to? If you have more than one, let the Lord renew your mind. But, of course, Paul said bodily exercise profiteth a little. But... Usually... In January, gyms are packed, I'm told. But by February and March, they're back to normal levels again. What happened? I'll tell you what happened. Somebody had a good idea, but they never got their mind renovated. They wanted transformation, but they weren't interested in the process of transformation. Right, I told you at the outset, being a bit silly, but it's, it, there's a truth in there. I'd lift weights if they weren't so heavy. Right? I, I, I just can't find any motivation to go and lift weights and do leg things and all that stuff and then be in so much pain afterwards just so my arms will be two or three inches bigger. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that if somebody's motive, as long as pride's not your motive. But that just isn't for me. Does that make sense? But some people, they they have the best of intentions, right? Signing up, I'm going to start going to the gym in January. But, But they're not changing all their habits. They haven't had a renovation of the mind. And they're not interested in the journey and the process of transformation. You know what I'd like? I'd like, Brother Lewis, I'd like to have a gym membership in January. And by the end of February, I'd like to look like Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was 35. Probably not going to happen, is it? No. But that's what people think, right? Lord, transform me. Do it quick, God. Transformation is a process. And the Lord's wanting to transform us. But for some, we just don't get in and stay in the process long enough. We understand that in the natural, when I use like the gym for an example. Why can't we understand that in the spiritual? God, change the way I think, and then let me hold to your thoughts long enough that you can begin to transform my life. Let me walk in the ways of the Word of God long enough that I can begin to see the effects of a life lived for God. Some people, some people will come to an altar and pray and repent today, and they'll weep and cry and they get relief. From that sin or that way of life that they've walked in. And they'll make a commitment. And they'll walk two or three days. Or maybe even two or three weeks. But then they're like, man, I'm trying to do this. But I still got problems and pain and pressure. I thought all that was going to go away when I started living for God. No. You're still going to have it. Just like you still have muscle pain after you lifted at the gym. There's going to be some pain along the way. But it's growth. Stay in the process. Stay in the process. Stay in the process. Keep walking in the Word. Keep walking in truth. Keep moving towards Him. Keep looking for Him to direct your thoughts. And your life will be transformed. You live 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years living for the God of this world. And then you want God in a moment to just transform you so life is all fixed and perfect. And you don't have to deal with any of the mess you made. It's not how it works. God wipes away all the sin. But then He grows you through the process. The word transformed there. The literal word is metamorpho. Or it's where we get our word metamorphosis from. That's the literal word that Paul used. Be metamorphosized. Metamorphosized. By the renewing of your mind. What do you think of when you hear the word metamorphosis? Butterfly. Remember that in science. Anybody took biology? Like you're like, hold on a minute. High school was so long ago. That part of my mind has already been transformed, right? <laughs> that part got renovated. It got ripped out. We just had nothing put back yet. Now metamorphosis, right? <laughs> Simple process. You know it. You've heard it. Metamorphosis. A caterpillar, right? Fuzzy little caterpillar crawling along. All of a sudden, one day, he attaches himself or she attaches himself. I don't know how that. To a branch or twig or tree or shrub. I don't know. And then something forms. It's called a cocoon, right? This cocoon wraps around this caterpillar. And it stays in there. And something's taking place inside that cocoon that you can't see. They call it metamorphosis. And sooner or later, you'll begin to see a struggle taking place beneath the surface if you're able to watch it in real time. And sooner or later, that cocoon will break open and out comes not a caterpillar, right? But a, a butterfly a marabosa. What happened? Transformation. Transformation. I have a question for you. Will that butterfly ever be a caterpillar again? Why not? It was transformed. It was completely transformed. That's the word Paul used. Be transformed. Changed from what you were. To what God intends you to be. And it starts by the renovation of your thoughts. How you think. What you allow to influence your thinking. There is a transforming power of God. That comes through his word. The problem is. We let him affect our thinking. But then if we're not careful, if we don't guard our spirit and allow our mind to be renewed day by day through the word and prayer and fellowship with him, we will go back to our formal way, our former way of thinking. And so we never see the transformation process in our lives. But he wants to transform your life. Here. The caterpillar doesn't go, you know what? I think it's time to be a butterfly. Disappear behind the leaf. Come back out. No. There is a process of transformation. And one of the greatest elements of that process of transformation is struggle. Struggle. I really feel the Lord trying to help somebody right now. How come when I decided that I was going to make a turn and begin living for God, it seemed like I started having trouble? Why did it seem like a struggle came here and a struggle came there? I thought everything was supposed to be fixed. No. Take heart. It's the metamorphosis process. And the adversary would try to say to you, You know what? It was better when you thought the way you thought before. Why don't you just go back to your former way of thinking? That is a lie from the pit of hell. Transformation happens by the renovation of your mind. Stay in the process. Stay in the journey. There is a transforming that will take place. What do we transform? We're transformed from our image and likeness into the image and the likeness of God. We grow up in the fullness and the stature of Christ. We die And he lives. It's a transformation. And therein we prove the will of God. Would you stand with me this morning? I know this might sound silly, but this is the way it sort of came to me. There are some people who just want to be spiritual caterpillars. I told you it sounded silly. They just want to be spiritual caterpillars. What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. They have no desire of change, but they'd like God to bless them as they are, without God changing them from who they are. It doesn't work that way. It's the old saying, but it's still true. He loves you and He loves me as I am. But He loves us too much to leave us like we are. He seeks to transform us. To deliver us from the bondage of sin. To live a life of victory, free and separated from sin. To live a life of power in Christ Jesus. To live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. To transform us. And it's a process. And we're all at different stages in the process. And about the time you think you've arrived and you're like, oh, look, I'm a butterfly now. If you'll allow me to stick with that analogy, I promise you He'll bring something else because He's still wanting to further develop and grow you and I. into Because there's not a one of us that has arrived. He's continually molding, fashioning, shaping, making, and forming us into His image. The fullness and the stature of Christ. If you're genuinely wanting God to transform your life, So that you can prove the will of God. I can tell you how to begin to pray. Not just here, but daily. If you'll begin to pray and say, God. I give you permission to begin renovating my mind. To reach into my thoughts that can be so jumbled and so confused at times or my thoughts and my ideas that are shaped by this world, I give you permission, not only permission, but God, I'm asking you to. I'm asking you to reach into my mind by the power of your word and your spirit. And I'm asking you to tear down every element that's of the God of this world. Begin to tear down and root out, renovate any part of my thinking that's rooted in error and not truth. And I pray begin to renew my mind with truth. Thy word is truth. Begin to sanctify me, sanctify me through your word that is truth. I give you permission and I ask you to reach in and begin the renovation process in my thoughts. I want thoughts that Are pure. I want thoughts that are holy. I want thoughts that emanate from the throne of God. I want thoughts that come from you that direct my life. I want thoughts that flow from the throne of heaven. Would you talk to him right now where you are in your own way? Would you express to him your heart this morning? There is a work of the Spirit of God that he desires to do in every one of us that would desire and allow Him to do so. It is a work of transformation. It is a transformation. It's a changing of that which is old and broken and bruised and a making into that which is beautiful and pleasant to God and used for His purpose. It is a transformation. It is Paul appealing to us, saying, Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed, be transformed, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come on, talk to him there where you are. God, in my daily living, it's so easy for me to fall into the trap of this world's thinking. I pray by your word and by your spirit Illuminate to me those areas that there be a transformation in my life. I come humbly before you at response to your word. I come to you and I pray let my thoughts be shaped and molded and fashioned not by this world but by your word and by your spirit. Show me and tell me and teach me what to think according to your word.